This is episode number 339 with professional coach Ivor Locke. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. This episode of the Super Data Science Podcast is brought to you by our very own Data Science Insider. The Data Science Insider is a weekly newsletter for data scientists, which is designed specifically to help you find out what have been the latest updates and what is the most important news in the space of data science, artificial intelligence, and other technologies. It is completely free and you can sign up at superdatascience.com DSI. And the way this works is that every week there's plenty of updates and seemingly important information coming out in the world of technology. But at the same time, it is virtually impossible for a single person on a weekly basis to go through all of this and find out what is actually really relevant to a career of a data scientist and what is actually very important. And that's why our team curates the top five updates of the week puts them into an email and sends it to you. So once you sign up for the Data Science Insider, every single Friday, you will receive this email in your inbox. It doesn't spam your inbox, it just arrives and it has the top five updates with brief descriptions. And that's what I like the most about it, the descriptions. So you don't actually even have to read every single article. So our team has already read these articles for you and put the summaries into the email. So you can simply just read the updates in the email and be up to speed in a matter of seconds. And if you like a certain article, you can click on it and read into it further. And so whether you want great ideas that can be used to boost your next project or you're just curious about the latest news in technology, the Data Science Insider is perfect for you. So once again, you can sign up at www.superdatascience.com slash DSI. So make sure not to miss this opportunity and sign up for the Data Science Insider today. And that way you will join the rest of our community and start receiving the most important technology updates relevant to your career already this week. Welcome back to Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. Today is a very special episode. Today we're going to take a little break from data science and all the analytics related things. We're going to talk about life and we're going to talk specifically about coaching. So for this episode, I've been waiting to record this episode for probably like over a year or so. I've been wanting to record this and finally I convinced my coach Ivor Locke to come join me on the Super Data Science Podcast. So I've known Ivor for several years now and he's been my coach uh, ever since. And yeah, it's been amazing. He's had a massive impact on my personal growth, on my professional growth, on my business, on my relationships, on pretty much all aspects of my life. Whenever I have a question um, during the week, like I catch up with him over Skype like two or three times per month. And whenever I have a question that is 
like I'm breaking my head over. I don't know how to answer due to lack of experience or lack of knowledge, lack of wisdom, lack of whatever else, or the the way I'm stuck in my own perspective or in my, as you'll hear us talk uh, on the podcast and in my own belief system. And I need a, a like a wise advice. I go to Ivor with that question. And he gives me an, always something very interesting to think about. So finally... Ivor is here on the podcast. This is the episode. And here is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we talked about uh, emotions, uh, belief systems, being aware, raising kids. What is coaching? Coaching for careers, coaching for business, mindset over skill set. What do I want and how to figure that out? A dream list of 100 items, taking responsibility for your life, a reticular activating system, getting what you want, and thoughts, feelings, actions, and results quite a lot of topics and that's just like a fast summary and probably not even everything that we covered off. So we're going to dive into quite a lot of things. This is this will actually feel like a proper kind of coaching conversation, similar to the conversations we have with him. They're usually a bit shorter, they're about 30 minutes that we chat with him once per week, um, but it's going to be similar and we're going to dive into, especially I really like that part where we're going to go into a bit of depth and that will happen about like 30 or 40 minutes into the podcast. We're going to go quite deep into some um, feelings and responsibility about your life and things like that. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. And if you do like listening to Ivor, make sure to listen to the end because he's got a very special surprise available for you. Uh, one for specifically listeners of the Super Data Science Podcast, how he can help you with your questions and one uh, that is going to be available worldwide once this episode's life is going to be very cool. And on that note, let's dive straight into it. I bring to you, without further ado, my personal coach and a very experienced professional coach, Ivor Locke. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Everybody, super excited to have you on the show. And today's guest is a very dear friend of mine and my coach, Ivor Locke. Ivor, how are you going today? I'm amazing, Kirill. How are you going today, my friend? <laughs> amazing, too. I, actually, it's interesting because I recorded an episode, a short one, a few weeks ago, talking about this amazing and how it changed my life, just to reply amazing. And it actually comes from you. It's really Oh, thank cool. you. <laughs> what, what, why do you, what made you start saying amazing when people ask you how you're going? You know, I think it's a it's a, it's an involvement, mm. um, ultimately, because when, when we actually started actually... Uh, and learning uh, NLP, we actually learned that the words that we use actually have the biggest impact on our on our lives in a way. Mm. So, you know, when we use words like uh, "it's not bad," "it's not great," or "it's good," "not or, too bad," or "not too bad," it's it's kind of like a little bit weak, and it kind of like makes when when people say "it's not bad," it simply means it's really bad, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So I learned this really early on when I did NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And from that time, I started using words like amazing, fantastic, it's brilliant, you know. And I think one of the words that just stuck in my vocab at the time was it's amazing. And because life is amazing. Mm -hmm. Because everywhere that we go, you, we are amazed. Mm. It's like it's fantastical. So when we lose sight of the fact that life is amazing, I think sometimes we just lose fact of what life truly is in mm. a way. So uh, be amazing is, is kind of like for me, kind of 
just like that. The whole thing is almost like Tony Robbins going live passionately yeah. in a way or live with passion. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't curated as much. Mm-hmm. It was something that just came naturally, and somebody said one day, you know, something you use be amazing a lot. Mm. You know, and, and that's how it, how it stayed. Yeah, you even sign off on your emails, be amazing. Well, I, I used to sign off uh, before. I used to sign off live passionately. Yeah. And then I said, but I never use the words live passionately. Yeah. So why do I use those? And then I that's when I changed it to be amazing. Gotcha. Oh. Gotcha. And it's really impacted my life like profoundly. I was even sitting today eating breakfast and uh, – looking at uh looking at the food like i prepared myself like muesli from the night before with some berries and i was really looking forward to it and i was eating it and I, at the end of it i thought to myself hmm yeah it was it was okay not too bad but then i caught myself and i was like what am i complaining about you know like if i drive my it's all because of expectations right like if i stop my expectations i had muesli with berries with cashew yogurt how amazing is that my my breakfast was amazing like it's just the expectations that make me feel differently for some reason 100% and again you know uh one of our mentors which is you know it's Tony Robbins mm. uh, he always says you know change expectations to appreciation mm-hmm. and when we change our expectations to appreciation it's so amazing <laughs> in a way <laughs> that's so true that's so true but expectations are hard to change to appreciation often. Like, you, they're just so ingrained. Like, where, where does this even come from? Why do we as humans have so many expectations all the time? Well, I think um, as human beings, we, we, we built to, to, to achieve. Mm-hmm. So we want more. Uh, and we look at the rest of the world. Mm. And we, you know, the one thing that I, I remember so distinctly was a, a lesson that I learned when when one of my mentors actually said to me, Ivor, you cannot be me right now. Mm. Okay. Because I think expectations come from when people say, well, um, I want to be Tony Robbins, or I want to be Kirill, or I want to be Ivor. It, it comes from those expectations where people are not and have not done the work just yet, in a way. Mm-hmm. So, so if you are a Formula One driver and you're still racing go-karts, there's no ways that you're going to be an Alan Prost or a, a Senna or, or um, you know, wherever it is right now in, in Formula One, mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, but the big thing about it is that expectations are always there, but it's, it can be a driver. And uh, it, 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 the standards that we have for ourselves, we need to expect, but I think we also need to appreciate as well. It's a fine line that we walk along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, gotcha. And what about not just standards for yourself? What about standards for others? Like in relationships, we often have expectations that, oh, well, you know, you hurt my feelings and I want you to be this way and you're not that way. And, you know, that's that's my expectation that you do things in, in a certain manner. And like, why are you not like that? Sure, absolutely. Well, look, um, you know, again, we can't control anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't control you, I can't control my wife, I can't control my children. Mm-hmm. I got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. I wish I could control them. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. You know, and uh, in reality, it's it's when we have expectations about somebody else, it's almost like us saying to that other person, we are going to control you. Mm-hmm. And just by the way, nobody can hurt your feelings. That's true. That's true. Well, how, how would you explain that, though? Well... You know, again, when it comes down to emotions, uh, emotions are something that we create. Mm-hmm. 
So a lot of people say, you make me angry. People don't make you angry. You make yourself angry. Mm-hmm. It's, the one, it's the one learning that we get that any emotion that we actually create in our world is created by ourselves. It's not created by anybody else mm-hmm. in a way. So when we say that somebody's made us angry, there's something about our belief system or our expectations that we're angry that they've not actually done for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest things as well is, is that whole thing about um, when we take true responsibility about the way that we feel, we control our world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like if you're saying, by saying the words that you made me feel that way or she made me angry or he made me frustrated or annoyed or hurt my feelings, like you're effectively giving control over your life to someone else. Exactly. But not only that, you're trying to control it mm. in a way. Yeah. Because and, and also by actually doing that, actually you losing control. Mm. And and the biggest thing I think as 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 an achiever, you want to have control. And the best way that you can have control as an achiever is knowing that you can control your emotions. And I know that that for me it was a game changer to know that actually my emotions I can control truly. Mm. The way that I feel consistently is is my choice, mm-hmm. is whatever I decide that I want to feel. So if I want to feel happy, I can feel happy right now. Um, I actually had a situation where my daughter, and just last night actually, she said, Daddy, 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 um, I'm thinking about all these, uh, you know, these things and it's it, uh, about this this the situation that's making me feel bad and i said well actually stop feeling bad i said start thinking about situations that are going to make you feel good in a way and then i took her through some of the things that she really likes and i said what about thinking about this person how does that make you feel how about thinking about this person how does that make you feel and then as i walked out the door and how about this person and i started making a giggly dance Hmm. out, out, out the door and she started laughing and said how about just thinking about daddy all night long, be doing a giggly dance out the door. <laughs> and she started laughing and it wasn't a problem in a way. Nice, nice. But does that mean that we can never feel angry? No, no, no. A week we can remember anger is something that we that number one we can control. Mm-hmm. And most people have no idea how to control it yet. I certainly didn't. Uh, when I when I started actually before I did personal development, I I already suffered from anger issues really badly. Hmm. I, I, I'm kind of like known as as being the angry, arrogant asshole <laughs> in a way. And I and I, I kind of typically say that because um, all those words, you know, that's what I was in a way. I was really really angry. I was carrying around so much baggage from my past from lessons learned or from um, blaming the world, the reason why I'm where I am or doing what I'm doing is because the rest of the world's at fault in a way. So I was always angry, Um, but I was angry because of different situations, um, you know, and, and those situations didn't make me feel good. So I kept having anger. And then of course, I also learned it from my father, which was a very angry person. And he only learned to control his anger much later on in his life. But I thought, well, the best way to be is to be angry, mm. in a way. 
<laughs> and uh, if you're angry, then then you're going to get a response. And I think that's what people do. Um, anger is actually used as a controlling mechanism mm-hmm. rather as something that actually people feel because they inherently want to feel it. Mm-hmm. So think about somebody actually standing up and going, I'm angry. Yeah. How much attention, how much significance, how much um, control they have of the environment when they're actually angry. That's true. Yeah. Um, they, like, in a way, intimidate others and also get get them to silence and listen to their needs and thoughts. But like, but does that mean, like you can control anger, but is it ultimately, is, it, is the ultimate goal never to actually even feel anger or is it something that uh, is okay to feel, but as long as you know how to deal with it? I think it's, 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 it's when, when I feel angry about anything, it would be because it's, it's a good reason to feel angry about mm-hmm. in a way. So if somebody harmed my daughter or somebody harmed my family, I'm going to feel angry. Mm-hmm. And I'll come out, I'm going to come in and I'm going to come in in fighting mode. And I'm going to probably uh, do something that I, that I probably shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. In a way. Okay. However, the thing is, it's about how do you control that? So you can still go from a place of anger to a place of calmness. Mm-hmm. And in that place of calmness, still present anger mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's uncontrollable anger that actually creates all the violence that we have in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's the conflict of, of belief systems that create the, the, the violence that we have in the world. Is when people say, it's this way, this is the only way, so therefore you are wrong. Mm-hmm. And that what, that's what actually creates conflict. Gotcha, interesting. And you spoke about belief systems a few times already. W- what is a belief system? Uh, a belief system is is something which uh, inherently is something that you've actually learned from your past life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people talk about a belief system as being a paradigm or a um, you know in the in the Tony Robbins world he's to- he talks about it being a story, mm-hmm. and I quite like that word as being a story because it's been created over time, not just by ourselves but sometimes by our family. So uh, there's, a, there's an interesting one that I remember when Bob Proctor um, was, was teaching all about paradigms and about belief systems that he talked about this, this time that, um, you know, he's uh, he, not his grand, he was telling a story about a grandmother and a, and a granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And this granddaughter was actually uh, doing this roast, roast, um, roast in, in the oven. Mm-hmm. And the piece of meat was actually too big for the for the roasting pan, so she cut off a bit, and uh, and or, or actually no, sorry, the roast she would cut off the piece of the roast would actually fit into the pan, okay, and what actually happened was that uh, her grand or her grandmother was there, and her grandmother turned around and said to her, "Why did you do that? Why did you cut a piece of the roast off?" And put it in, into the pan because, of course, the, the the whole piece of roast could actually fit into the pan that she had because it was big enough. And she said, "Well, um, the reason why I did it is because Mum taught me to do it that way." Uh-huh. And and then she looked at, and then the her mother walked in, and then her grandmother looked at her mother and said, "Why do you do this? Do it this way?" And she said, well, you taught me to do it that way. <laughs> you taught me to cut the, a piece of the meat off, ultimately. I thought that's what you needed to do. 
And a grandmother and a mother looked at each other and a grandmother packed up laughing. And both of them looked at her and said, well, why are you laughing? And the grandmother said, the only reason why I cut a piece of the meat off was simply because it couldn't fit in my pan. Uh-huh. But because she always had that small pan and she had to use that small pan, she always had to cut a piece of, of meat off to be able to fit it in. So her mother or her daughter at the time thought that that was what needed to be done. Did she developed a belief system. It's not a belief, it's, a, it's unconscious. Mm-hmm. It's an unconscious belief system. Everything that we do in life sometimes comes from unconsciously. So think about even a career about yourself. Mm-hmm. What do you do a little bit like your father or mm-hmm. a little bit like your mother? And it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess one example that pops straight to my head is uh, I put, uh, when I go out the shower or to the shower, I put the towel around my neck, like let it hang down. Yeah. That's something my mom actually told me. I picked up from my dad when I was like five years old. Like I would want to be like my dad. So I just walk around with this huge towel around my neck and I still do it very unconsciously like I was doing it yesterday. Fantastic. And and you just, when you come out of the shower, you just put it on and you just kind of walk around the house like that. And Sometimes. Like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but it's so true. It's so true. Um, I've got a, I've got one that uh, I don't know where I picked it up from, but I actually flick my fingers uh-huh. when I drive. Interesting. And my wife said that's so irritating. And I go, <laughs> I know. And I said that's from my father. Oh wow. He used to flick his like you know he used to hold the steering wheel and flick and flick his fingers. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. And it's just like really interesting. Yeah. The smallest things, we've got to be so careful about what we actually um, do for our children or show our children because they pick up every single thing. Yeah. And like, I, I, I can't even imagine, like, how do you raise kids without messing them up? It's just like, I, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. <laughs> uh, you, we do our best. There's no rule book. There's really no rule book. But I think it's being aware. And I, I think the first place is, is being aware of yourself, mm-hmm. being aware of our language, be aware of our patterns, being, being aware of our behavior, mm-hmm. because we can control all of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But like, do you use like positive rewards or negative rewards, for example? You know, a very, very black and white question. Do you um, reinforce kids when they're doing something great and just and then ignore the bad things or do you tell them off when they're doing the bad things and kind of like the good things are just just normal way of life yeah i, th- I think it's 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 a it's a tough one because uh well always you want to always acknowledge the the be- the great yeah but sometimes kids will really push you <laughs> and uh we've got a, a as i said i've got a i've got two beautiful daughters they're four and seven and they incredibly incredibly gifted children and when I say gifted, it's not like they're super intelligent, but they really, really understand how to how to engage and negotiate mm. in a way. My four-year-old is probably the toughest negotiator <laughs> that I ever know. At four years old, what does she and, negotiate? Uh, you know, uh, she she will um, she is the most. Uh, we most people would say that she's stubborn, yeah, but she just knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. And when she wants that, there is no like no black and white. 
She's very what I call analog. It's mm -hmm. like it's either this way or that way. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. Mm -hmm. um, our seven year old, we can we can kind of like change a little bit and say, you know, we can kind of get her to sway our way a little bit because she she's kind of like wants to be with us. But with our four year old, um, yeah, she's 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 very very strong minded, mm. and uh, it shows up actually in 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 daycare as well, where um, even the daycare really struggle with her sometimes. Um, it's going to be a gift for her, one hundred percent, because it gives her immense focus, and as long as she understands that actually um, that what she does is going to be for the greater good of all, then she's going to be amazing at it in a way. Um, but yeah, she's, she's very strong willed and very strong minded as well. Really cool. But what I like about you, Ivor, is that you, you can like give great ideas and thoughts pretty much on any topic, right? Like we're, we haven't spoken about kids before, but like you have some fantastic ideas on that. Actually, how long have we been, have we known each other for now? Uh, I think this must be going on five years now. Isn't wow. It? No, I, I'll say like maybe like we started in 2017, so maybe going on to three years. Oh, three years. It must, sounds like five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. And um, so, what, like, the topics we normally cover off are like, like, quite often we talk about, you know, maybe some personal growth issues that I have or challenges and I want to get better at them. But we also talk quite a lot about um, business topics and things like that. And I really value the advice you provide, and I think having a coach is a has been has been fantastic for me. What what is like? Can you give us like for the listeners who are a bit uh, maybe apprehensive about coaching, or in general maybe don't even believe in mentorships? What what is the value of having a coach? Sure, absolutely. Well, you, you know, it's it's not that I want to pitch coaching because. Um, I never got into coaching because I wanted to become a coach. Mm. Let me let me start with off with that. Because um, I started off in 2004. Um, and my first mentor was Bob Proctor. And Bob Proctor, uh, I took to Bob because of what I'd actually learned and how he changed my world. Um, when I started studying, um, a lot of my personal development was, in, was at the age of 30. Mm. Um, and... And that made a big, phenomenal change in my world to understanding my belief systems to save my marriage. Um, it just, you know, it took away that whole thing about being an angry, arrogant asshole <laughs> to, to make me now, as you know, just calm and relaxed and, and, and a, a nice person to be around in a way. But I think from a perspective of coaching, one of the things that I found was that when I delivered uh, courses, because I actually do a lot of workshops, people used to come out of the workshop and go, I'm super excited. I'm going to get this done and I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. And and they should walk out, high five me and I should go, brilliant. I look so forward to seeing the results. And I follow them up like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later and say, so what have you done? And to my surprise at the time was nothing. Mm. I had all these great ideas. I had all these great energy coming out of the workshop. And I said, and they did nothing with it. So for me, it was like, that was really strange because I used to go to workshops and do something. 
mm-hmm. because isn't that what you go to a workshop for, <laughs> in a way, mm-hmm. okay? And then I started looking at it and going, well, some people actually can do self-help, and sometimes people do shelf help, in a way. <laughs> What's shelf in a way. help? Well, shelf help is when you go to a workshop, you take the book and you put it on the shelf, <laughs> in a way. That's yeah. shelf help, ultimately. Yeah. And I think uh, there's a lot of people out there that have ever done a workshop that they will know what I'm talking about. They get home, they get back into their lives, and they never touch the books again. Yep. They've got great intentions to do it, but they never do. Yep. So I said this to, to, to one of my colleagues at the time, and he said, well, Ivor, uh, if that's the case that uh, you, know, you, you, you really need to do sort of some coaching with them. So I said, what is coaching? Mm. And he, he goes, well, coaching is this you know, thing that you work with somebody one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that the industry only started in like in in the two thousands, like by Tony. Tony popularized coaching twenty years ago. Mm. And he didn't uh, even he didn't even like that term originally. Like you know, no, doesn't I think? Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, and I, you know, from from perspective with even with with coaching in its present time, um. I didn't know that actually coaching, and I remember actually having a conversation with, with Bob Proctor and saying to Bob, um, what do you think about this whole coaching thing? And he goes, coaching, why would you want to do that? <laughs> What's this whole coaching thing? And he says, well, you've got my programs, you can run it and you can deliver it. So he says, why would you want the coaching? So yeah. I said, okay. And I took his, I, I kind of steered away from it. And then I did NLP, I did the NLP training um, became a master NLP, um, you know, pra- practitioner, and I started incorporating coaching with my workshops, mm-hmm. and I started working with people. So um, I think in 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 the early early two thousands, um, you know, coaching wasn't popular. I used to go out and say to people, "I'm a life coach," and people like, used to look at me and going, "What? Mm-hmm. What's a life coach? Mm-hmm. Why do I need that?" Mm-hmm. Coaching has only really come about, Kirill, in the last five years, it's become incredibly more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like in, in, uh, had a better uptake in, in the US. Mm-hmm. I would say in Australia at the moment, it's probably only been the last like three to five years where people have really gone in and said, hey, you know something, having somebody there to help me along the way is great. Mm-hmm. You know? But I think the big thing about a coach is somebody that is actually – if you're looking for a great coach, it's it's somebody that's actually done the work before. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's transformed their lives, that really have a broad spectrum of, of experiences, mm-hmm. and that have actually really understood that actually the struggles of, of what life is all about, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times, uh, you know, when I when I look at, uh, and I don't say that, that these there's some coaches out there that are very new into the industry, and some people are now getting to coaching simply because it's a career option. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just remember that you cannot be a, a, a great coach until you've actually done the work. Mm-hmm. I remember actually coaching somebody, um, actually somebody that had actually had done a diploma of coaching. Mm-hmm. And I said to the person, I said, so what are your goals? And I said, I shouldn't be teaching you how to set a goal. You shouldn't be teaching me how to set a goal because you're a coach. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. 
But I said, you're starting to do a diploma of coaching. How can you not understand how to set a goal? Mm -hmm. And it's strange. So anybody out there confused about the coaching industry, I think it's a really about being able to look at not only just the coach, but also look at so what are the experiences, their age, what have they done? And I think coaching is now becoming a little bit more specialized into different spectrums mm-hmm. in a way. So it's like, you know, if you go to a, um, if you say you're in a runner or you're a sprinter or you're a javelin thrower, you don't go to a, uh, an analytics coach and say, well, I want to be an analytics coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you want to, you, if you want to be a great sprinter, you go to sprint coach. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a great javelin thrower, you go to a javelin thro- coach. Mm-hmm. So I think coaching is coming into that space at the moment. It's maturing into what do you want to become? What do you need help in? And I think this is this is the you know part of my work at the moment. Um, and I'm actually part of uh, uh, setting up um, you know with Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey Hazlett and mm-hmm. the C-Suite Network, where we actually set up the C-Suite um, Network um, or the C-Suite Network Guild, mm-hmm. Coaches Guild, nice. International Coaches Guild. Nice. And the Coaches Guild is it's really… Like, like the councils they have there, right? It's, it's not like the councils, um, but it, it's called the C-Suite Network International Coaches Guild. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's really for coaches that already are experienced at what they do. Mm-hmm. Because when I spoke to Jeffrey Hazlett about this, he actually said, you know something, Ivor? He says, how do my members know what are good coaches and what are bad coaches? Mm -hmm. I said, well, why don't we actually set up a guild that your members will know what they are in a way? Okay. And and it's it's really something really powerful at the moment that's actually going to take off. Uh, We just launched it um, in, uh, in San Francisco in June last year. Um, and we we kind of getting the the ball rolling now in, into into December and uh, we in 2020 we we gotta make it big ultimately. Okay, awesome. I really like that. Um, uh, wanted to ask you coaching. So is because uh, a lot of the questions we discussed and a lot of questions that come to you were uh, business related questions. When I have a dilemma or I don't uh, just don't understand due to lack of experience how to do a certain thing or um, you know scale a business or hire somebody, fire somebody, or um, you know, just expand into a certain niche, undertake a project, like lots of different questions. Sure. Is, is coaching only useful to business people that are running businesses or own businesses? Or do people who are building a career, for instance, a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners are data scientists and analysts who are building a career in a certain place. Like, How could they benefit from uh, coaching? Sure, absolutely. Well, before I, I started actually uh, getting um, into coaching, um, I actually, the, I think the big thing about it is really the coaching, what the coaching does, it's like the glue that holds and puts everything together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times we, we go off and learn different things, we read different books, we do different workshops. But what coaching actually does, it solidifies and is essential to, to fit everything together mm-hmm. in a way. So what actually happens is that if you're in a career, you still need to learn how to manage your emotional state. Mm-hmm. You still need to understand that being, um, you know, being a team player is, is one of the most amazing things that you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. But most people are not. Mm-hmm. 
okay, that being being collaborative is more powerful than being competitive. That's in a way. One. Okay, you know, um, and and how to you know because everybody's kind of looking at how do I build to the next level, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily climbing the next corporate corporate level. It's doing what you truly love, because mm-hmm. when you do what you truly love, that's when you climb. Mm-hmm. When you're good at what you do and you love what you do, nobody will actually stop you from 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 exceeding and becoming better at it mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the things that when I first got into, into personal development, I'm, I didn't get into personal development because I said, I'm going to become a coach or I'm going to become a presenter. Mm-hmm. I got into this because I wanted to learn how to sell well. Mm-hmm. I got into this because I wanted to be one of the best salespeople ever. Mm-hmm. And that is what actually happened. I got into, into did, did the work, and I actually did 200% of my budget in my rookie year of sales. Wow. Which was unheard of. People looked at me and they went, that's not possible. You mm. can never have done that. Well, I just did. <laughs> okay. And I did that simply because it was mindset over skill set. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talk about that. Is is that... You know, why, why can your mindset, um, you know, how can your mindset kind of like generate so much more power than your skill set? Because truly, I wasn't a great salesperson at the time, but I learned how to become one. That's, that's a very powerful concept. Uh, can you talk a bit more about that? Like mindset over skill set. I feel that could be useful to, very useful to our audience because in data science, there's a ton of tools like, thousands, you know, R, Python, Tableau, uh, ClickSense, SQL, like you can just keep going forever. All the tools that you need and all the skills and within each tool, there's lots of these packages and frameworks and models that you need to know and build and so on. And so people get carried away learning all these skill sets and all these tools and techniques, and which is very admirable. But I feel that if you add even a little bit of mindset on top of that, what you're talking about, mindset over skill set, like that can create immense power. So how would you advise our audience to create immense power with mindset over skill set? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think the, the big thing is it's, you know, it's proven through, through science already 100%. And uh, if people want to go read up about it, um, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean Acor did a lot of research about what he calls the happiness advantage. And what he proved, conclusively was that 100% that when you can increase your happiness level, you increase your productivity mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's just changing mindset when you think about it, mm-hmm. okay, because we're changing our happiness level. But the thing is when you actually um, starting to actually tap into what we call mindset, you actually start tapping into what we call creativity. And when you uh, in in uh, in engineering or or in in doing anything that's creative, and a lot of people think that being in data science isn't being creative, it is incredibly creative. We're tapping into something that has never been done before, mm-hmm. in a way. It's like engineering finding a solution for a for for a problem. Mm-hmm. Is how do you find that solution? And that solution that you find is not done through just knowing what must be done and can be done now, it's knowing that actually, how do we tap in 
into that creativity and mindset allows you to tap into that creativity in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you change your mindset? Well, pretty much it's, it's, it's as simple as thinking differently. Mm -hmm. When we think differently, we change what our actions are going to be in a way. So, you know, something that, that actually is really easy. It's that, Whatever you think about, you're going to feel. Whatever you feel, you're going to then take action on. Mm -hmm. And how you, whatever you take action on is going to give you a result. Mm -hmm. So our thoughts lead to our feelings, lead to our actions, lead to our results. Mm -hmm. but, generally, but generally what actually happens is most people are looking at their results and their thoughts about how bad my life is. So therefore, they think, my life is really bad, they feel really bad, they don't take any action because they think their life is crap, so they get worse results. So now they're looking and they go, well, I was right, you see my life really sucks. I was right. They go back and they keep thinking, well, my life really sucks. And their life truly really then becomes, they feel like really sucky. Hmm. They take zero action towards improving it. Their life even gets more suckier hmm. And then eventually, yes, they truly have a sucky life. So what's the, what's the first step getting out of this vicious cycle? Well, the one thing is to first ignore the results that you're currently getting. Mm -hmm. That's the first step, okay? Because whenever you start something, it's like growing something out of the ground. When you plant the seed, you have a gestation period of how long that seed is going to take to get out of the ground. True? Mm -hmm. In a way. Mm -hmm. Okay. But most people expect to plant the seed and have the harvest the next day. Mm -hmm. So we come back to that expectation again. Mm -hmm. is you cannot have that expectation. So you've got to change that expectation. So you've got to change and think about, okay, this, whatever my world is right now, ignore it. Because the current result will never be the future result. Mm -hmm. You know, like we always go through and we go through and we do investments. They always say, you know, uh, past performances doesn't don't equal future performances. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true about life. Your past performance doesn't equal your future performance. Uh, unless you want it to, unless that's what you're stuck in. Unless you're stuck in it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you want to break out of all of this, all you've got to do is say, actually, you know something, what do I truly want? And I think that's the big, big key, mm -hmm. is what do I truly want? How, how do you determine that? What do I want? It's such a difficult question. It's, it's, it's like, especially how, I don't know, like I found about myself that in my childhood, I've, uh, I just don't know how to answer this question at all. Like, because as much as I love and respect my parents, how they brought me up, it's often been about what they wanted. Like they wanted me to play piano. They wanted me to study, um, I don't know, like really hard, be the, the first in class. They wanted me to, play chess, they wanted me to do these things, and, and I enjoyed them, I delivered on them, but at the same time, I forgot or never learned how to understand what is it that I want. So how, do, how does one go about answering that question? Okay, so you, you, it's quite true, because a lot of the times we, we try to shape our children into what we want them to be, in a way. And I was exactly the same, you know, I became, a, I did electrical engineering, became an electrical engineer, and you know, why did I become it? Because my father wanted me to become it, mm -hmm. in a way. Now, 
and don't blame him for it because as far as I'm concerned, it, 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 it improved my life phenomenally mm-hmm. in a way. Okay. However, when you're actually starting to look at, so what do you want? It actually comes down to if you're listening to this and you really, truly want to know how, what do I want is something that I always encourage all of my, all my clients to do. And that's to do a dream list. And a dream list is everything that you want to be, do, and have. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a couple of criteria around it. The, the first criteria, no limitations. Mm-hmm. The second criteria, no judgment. Mm-hmm. And the third criteria, your list must have 100 items on it. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So your dream list is really there to, 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 to create that kind of like desire. So there's a great book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And the first step towards riches is, is learning and, and is all about desire. And there's not one person on this call today, on this podcast, that cannot say to me they do not have any desire. And the main reason for that is because whatever you have in your world today is what you've called into your world today. In other words, you've desired to have this. Mm-hmm. Whether okay. good or bad. Whether good or bad. Okay. Now, some people can do the negative a lot better than the positive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some people can do shitty better than great, mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. But it's your choice. And it's a razor's edge. It's a razor's edge to be able to choose what sort of life do you want. So, you know, Kirill, you know, even although your, fa- your, your parents said, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this, maybe you had the acumen to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, you have to go back and ask your parents about it in a way. Mm-hmm. But from perspective where if you're an adult right now and you have the choice, stop thinking that you've got to please your parents. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking that you've got to please society. Start thinking about how can I please myself? And it's not about arrogance. It's not about being selfish. It's about truly looking at self and saying, so what am I really good at? Mm. That's, that's a very interesting observation. So um, uh, what I found was that like once I stopped being around my parents this was very interesting to look back at and like analyze further and a lot of you know the work with you helped me understand this and and a lot of like other books i read and uh, like uh, training i did but basically looking back once i didn't have my parents to please again with no no guilt attached no blaming i really loved my childhood but once i didn't have my parents to please anymore i like instead of looking how i can please myself I started looking at all right who who can i please next and so event inevitably it became the p- uh, person i was with my girlfriend and i fell into this trap of, of always okay like what do they want let's prioritize their needs their wants and desires and that was like another whole um another hole i had to get out of eventually so yeah so it's it's i, I can see what you're saying it's it's a con- it has to be a conscious effort to uh focus on what is it that I want. 100%. 100%. And when we take, 
full responsibility for everything that we have in our lives, whether it's good and bad, that's when we can truly change our world. That's when you can have the shifts. But you have to take that full responsibility. So if things aren't working out for you right now, you're going to take responsibility and say, things aren't working out right now. So what am I doing to make this and create this? Now, a lot of people go, I didn't create my situation. Yes, you did. That's the, that's the unfortunate news that I have for people is you created it. Anything that, that, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, because some people say, what, what happens if I, uh, if I got a disease? Well, you know, uh, that's still to be disputed, but a lot of the times, and I'll go back to some work that I did with Bob Proctor, he says, when somebody has disease, it's a body not at ease. Mm-hmm. So Dis-ease, disease, right? yeah, word. not a body at ease. So a lot of the times, uh, you know, we, we create our own, our own feelings. So we can create our own feelings, therefore we can create our own disease. And there's work done by Dr. Joe Dispenza on this. Uh, you know, these these a number of different different people that actually have proven that actually the way that we think is, will actually you know chemically create a different feeling and a different different sense in our body. That's why sometimes we hear that people have been able to cure themselves uh, mentally uh, through you know through mindset, and we go that can never be done. Because we only think the only cure is through medicine, in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like even the example of Wim Hof, uh, he, you know, the Iceman, he's been able to um, withstand crazy outer, like some, some crazy diseases that have been injected into him, some viruses, and just through mindset, by focusing on his breathing and mindset, he was able to, you know, not even get a shiver or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's some people that have really been able to hone down on this, okay? But the thing is, when we take full responsibility of what, where we are, we can then actually affect the change. So when I accepted the fact that I was angry, that I was being an asshole and I was arrogant, that's when I truly began to change in a way. And I live life right now in that part of amazement. And it's not that every part of my, of my life is amazing. I have bad things happen in my life. You know, uh, this last uh, period of time, we, we, we needed to farewell a loved one, in a way. Mm. Now, how do we cope with that, in a way? Okay. So, the thing is, when, when we actually can take that full responsibility and really understand that actually the way that we think is going to make us feel differently, the way that we feel is going to change our actions, the way that we act is going to change our results. That's a game changer. Mm. But knowing what you want is incredibly crucial. Okay. Well, tell us a bit more then about this dream list, the 100 items. Like, all right, so no, the rules were no limits. No limitations. No, no limitations, no judgment, and 100 items on your dream sure. list. So once I have that, what, what do I okay. do? Okay. So that's interesting. It sounds like, well, once I have it, it's, it's out there. So what actually happens, it actually starts setting up and whatever comes out is it's not going to come out because 
it's it's just going to be things that you saw. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like worldly stuff that we want. But a lot of the times, um, it really, really pushes us to really find so what's deeper inside of, of what we want, either way. But what it does, it actually starts setting up something in our, uh, in our psychology that starts getting us to notice things, in a way. Um, and it's almost like an like a unconscious GPS, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it your RAS. To your reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times, uh, I don't know people uh, when last uh, somebody's bought a car, but a lot of the times, uh, you know, I've been to go buy a car and I've gone, well, this is a, the most unique car in the, in the world because this is the only color and this is the only look and everything else. And then you drive out to the showroom and all you see is that color car on the road. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the times, even when we go buy clothes, we think, well, this is the most unique clothes clothes that I'm wearing. And then you go out and you go out into the world and you see somebody else wearing exactly the same clothes in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what actually happens, your reticular activating system starts setting it up. So if you desire something strongly, you start noticing those things more. And it's not because they weren't there. It's just simply because it's now actually lighting up that part of your brain. Yeah, like and even from a from a data perspective, um, I was very interested to learn that out of our five senses, our eyes take in by far the most information, but like by a magnitude, by an order of magnitude. And I think it's like 10 megabytes per second of information goes through our eyes. And there's no way that that's how much information we consciously process. So our brain like just filters out a lot of stuff that is unnecessary to our survival or to the task at hand. And so guess what the reticular activating system does is it's like, okay, now your brain knows, okay, now I'm going to pick out these red cars all the time because it's something that's part of my life. So it's going to be important. Yeah. And that particular shape, that particular model, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, even I see this, even with my children, they go down the road and they go, daddy, 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 these, these are car. I said, how mm-hmm. could that be our mm-hmm. car? We're driving in it. No, no, but that's our mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. So automatically they know that that shape, that color mm-hmm. is our car. And that's, it's not because it's, it's any different. It's they're used to driving in this particular car. They can pick it up now outside in the real world in a way. Mm-hmm. So our reticular activating is incredibly powerful. And I'll take you back to a time when I was about 15 years old, for real. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't actually know at the time what my sister was doing because she did uh, she did a degree in psychology. So she's about 15 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said to me when I was about 15 years old, what do you want to achieve by the time you're 30? Now, she wasn't as descriptive as saying it's a dream list, um, that, you know, no limitations, no judgment or anything else. She just said, what do you want to be by the time that you're 30? And write it down mm-hmm. on a list. And I did that. And it's actually quite interesting because actually I'd achieved every single item on that list. Wow. Okay. And it's actually really interesting because I only found personal development at the age of 30. Wow. That's so cool. Okay. That's so and it's cool. interesting as well because I'd achieved everything. And I remember one of the highlights being because I'm, I'm originally from South Africa, 
And one of mm-hmm. my big goals was to come live in Sydney, Australia. And I remember mm-hmm. being in our apartment and sitting in our apartment going, now what? Mm. It was almost like a sense of nothingness. It's like, what's yeah. next? And it's yeah. interesting because when I asked that question, now what? Then my brain started up again saying, asking, so what do I truly want? And that's when I started actually lighting up and saying, okay, so what do I truly want? And it's interesting how I started looking and, and, and you know, personal development came into my world. And when I started actually doing personal development, I realized that actually, oh, my goodness, that is what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why I say everybody, even although they think that they've had no control of their life, they've had 100% control of their life. Mm-hmm. The thoughts that you emit all the time about what you think is possible mm-hmm. is what's going to, what you're going to be able to achieve. Mm. If you think you're not going to be successful, guess what? You're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you think that you're stupid, you will be stupid. Mm-hmm. If you think you're clever, you will become clever. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because part of my psychology going back in time, I wasn't an A-grade student, by the way, Kirill. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I struggled through school. And, um, and one of the things that I thought I was, I thought I was stupid. I didn't think I was intelligent in a way. And actually, when I was in school, one of my teachers actually said, you're not going to achieve much in your life. Mm. How wrong she was. Mm-hmm. Because I've achieved a lot in my life, in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, um, I, have, uh, I have an example uh, from my life, very interesting. So it was, uh, I guess, a similar list. And I was writing down a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, what is it that I, I really want? And this was for a relationship. I was like, all right, how am I going to describe my perfect relationship? And I want to meet a girl that's going to be like this and this and this. And, um, and so basically, I just put all this list of things that uh, more about like action activities that we'd be doing if I think this is a perfect relationship. And one of them on that list was, I want to be walking down a beach uh, in Greece and, you know, be like, like with, with the person that I love. And funny enough, like within 12 months, I find myself walking down a beach in Greece with this uh, person. And so like it got that checkbox, like it happened because that's what I wanted for myself. But the way I describe it, I was very materialistic about these things. I was very like kind of, I guess, shallow about how I describe relationships. I was describing the, the things I was doing rather the feelings I was feeling. And it turns out it wasn't a, it wasn't, um, in the right time of the year, I was walking down the beach in Greece in winter, <laughs> and <laughs> and B, it was not with a person I love. It was just like a relationship which I I desired for myself. I was doing all the things I wrote down in that relationship, but I didn't write down any feelings, any emotions. Like I, I wrote down the wrong things, and so as you say, like my mind and my um, mindset got me where I wanted to go. It's just that I wanted the wrong thing at the time. Of course, of course, and part of it is is. Is, is the lessons that we've got to learn along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of the times I, I, I look at it and I go, why did I become an electrical engineer? Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, it was to help me to become a critical thinker and to find solutions. Mm-hmm. 
in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and right now I always think about it. Uh, you know, I, I got a, a little bit of a phrase where I go, I re-engineer your mind for success in a way, mm-hmm. because it is our mind is a supercomputer. It is one mm-hmm. of the best freaking computers out in the world in a way. Okay. And mm-hmm. the greatest thing about it, it has unlimited downloads. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can tap into infinite, what I call infinite intelligence. And, you know, if you're a data scientist and, and you, you're somebody that, that really wants to push the envelope and wants to be kind of like the next Elon Musk, then really, truly, really get to know who you are and really get to actually push your mind so that you can actually begin to tap in. Because when you can tap into infinite intelligence, Everything is possible. Because, I mean, when you think about uh, Steve Jobs, how does Steve Jobs actually come up with, with the, 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 the iPhone? Hasn't that changed our world in a way? Mm-hmm. And we're now living in, in the most beautiful time of our world as, as a human race and a human species because I truly believe that what we have today, our forefathers never had, the opt- had, had this for themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even what we're doing right now, we're using, um, you're using technology to have this conversation. And it's mm-hmm. crystal clear or almost crystal clear uh, where we could be sitting down next to each other in a pub or in, in a coffee yeah. shop in a way. Actually, I think even in a coffee shop, it wouldn't be as, as quiet as this. In a way. <laughs> and, and, and more importantly, like so many people are able to tap into this conversation and get takeaways that are valuable for them. 100%. You know, technology has mm. enabled us to do so much more, in a way. Uh, there's also, I mean, there's got to be a lot of people that are already frightened about technology. And I think there's, mm. there's a case to be frightened about it as well. But I think mm-hmm. it, it, there's also the case of learn to embrace it, but also learn mm. how to safeguard yourself from it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Because I think... If you if you if you're gonna be kind of like in that space, well, technology will do what technology does, and you don't actually think about how to be safe around it. Well, you'll just be a victim to it in a way. Mm-hmm. But right now, technology has given us the biggest edge that any human kindness ever had, ultimately, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, you know, um, it's quite interesting. The the one day we went, uh, we we sail a boat. Um, and we know how to sail, but we didn't had never sailed a Hobie cat before. Mm-hmm. Went on holiday, um, and I remember walking past the guy and saying, uh, "Can we hire a Hobie cat?" And the guy said, "Have you sailed one of these?" I said, "Yep." <laughs> and I looked at my wife, and she looked at you've never sailed a Hobie cat. I said, "Yeah, but I'll learn." And we went back to the hotel room, picked up YouTube, watched a couple of videos on YouTube, and I said, "Well, we know how to sail. We just know, need to know how to use the Hobie cat." Ultimately, uh-huh. when we went out, we, we hired the Herbie kit, knew exactly what to do. And that was like 60 minutes, maybe 60 minutes of instruction on YouTube. Uh-huh. Okay. So we can learn from technology and the technology can, there's so much that we can learn these days. It's, a, it's very profound in a way. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And it makes me also... Think of your um, this recent thing that you're working on, which is very exciting, and I think uh, a lot of our uh, audience might be intrigued by it. So you've got these two cool things coming up. So you got a podcast yeah. yourself that you're going to be launching, which is 
I think an incredible idea. I've been I've been asking you to do that for ages. I think it's it's amazing that you're doing that. And also you've got this one dollar coach. So tell us about those. That, those I think are phenomenal breakthroughs, and a lot of people can get massive value. Well, you know, um, for a long time, I even asked myself the question: Why didn't I get into podcasting three years ago? In a way. But, you know, everything has a gestation period and who knows, maybe I wasn't right for it. Maybe I wasn't at the, in the right space. But now I'm, I'm doing quite a, quite a lot around it. So I'm doing uh, something in business. I'm actually doing something in relationship as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got a, you know, both of them are with different business partners. I'm going to be interviewing some great coaches as well, which is, which is pretty profound. Um, but the one big thing uh, that's really close to my heart is is really coaching, because I believe coaching uh, is is been something that has helped not only just my clients but myself as well, in a way. Mm-hmm. However, the thing is with coaching because of the way that is designed, it's a very one-on-one experience, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but coaching is very expensive as well. So most people mm-hmm. go. You know, so how much does costing coaching cost? Well, it can range. Some people charge a thousand dollars an hour. Some people cost charge five thousand dollars an hour. Some people charge ten thousand dollars a year. Some people charge two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, of course, a lot of people say, "Well, you know." Um, so then, how do I how do I ever get the advice that I need? How do I actually get to learn what I need and so forth? And it's so easy. I mean, you can get onto YouTube and watch different people. But I think the one thing that's missing is this element of what we call the live interaction. And um, and group coaching has been around for a while. But even with group coaching, um, people have actually charged quite a bit of money mm-hmm. for it. So I was charged, and I, I, I love what I do. Uh, I've done over 15,000 coaching sessions. Uh, and... I, and, wow. I, and I look at it and I go, you know something, we really got to, what, what do I want to do? How do I want to impact this world? And I looked at it and I said, well, if I continue doing coaching the way that I'm doing, I'm never going to have the impact that I want. Because you can only re- realistically take on, on my client books, I can realistically only take on about 100 to 120 clients in a month, in a way. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like 10 people. It's, Ten people. Per yeah, day. yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you know, from a yeah. coaching perspective, I, you know, I do a lot of coaching. So, I, so yeah. I thought to myself, you know, how do I go about doing this? And this all came about as well because I went through and I said, you know, so what, what, what is my impact that I want to, what I want to make? And I said, I want to be audacious. I want to go impact a billion people, in a way. Mm. And. No limitations. No, no judgment. judgment. No limitation. No judgment. And I sat with that for a while because I did it. I did it on a holiday. I wrote down. I wrote it down on on my on my on my sheet of what I want to achieve. And I said, "This is my desire. I want to impact a billion people." And I sat there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't sit there because I was contemplating it. I was waiting. And I was waiting for. The voice in my head that would say, Ivor, don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. Don't be arrogant. All of those things that I thought that would come up. And as I wrote it down, and as I waited, and I waited, nothing came up. 
And that's when I knew that I was on track. And I said, okay, well, how am I going to do it? And that's when I came up, okay, well, I'm going to go do podcasting. I'm going to write more books. I'm going to, you know, do more networking. I'm going to get out there more. I'm going to, I'm going to be more, do more Facebook lives. I'm going to, you know, start doing all, all the things that I truly wanted to do in a way. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it. So what, what would actually help people? And I said, the help that I want and a billion people aren't going to come just from the, uh, from the, what do I call the developed countries. Because the developed countries like from the US and from the UK, from Europe and, and maybe from, you know, from Australia in a way. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, so a billion people, how do I get those, those people? And I said, well, I'm going to create something that's going to be affordable. And what I decided to do was to do what I call the $1 per week group coaching in a way. Mm. And uh, the main reason why I'm doing this, it's not because it's going to make me wealthy. Mm-hmm. It's more for impact. And what's great about it is that if you ever wanted to feel what coaching's about, that you ever just wanted to be part of, of, of and ask questions, well, I'm going to make myself available. And uh, obviously, I'm going to set it up where I'm going to be available every week. I might be available once a week. I might be available five times a week. I haven't decided on that yet, in a way. Mm-hmm. But all your pay is a dollar. Nothing more, nothing less. Because I truly believe that it's going to impact the world. Okay? And somewhere along the line, I know that, that things will happen to change what it is but I'm not quite sure what that's going to be just yet in a way. Okay. But right now I think, I don't think there's anybody in this, in this world can, can, they can truly say I cannot afford a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not even just like, it doesn't even sound like a payment. It's more like a, a more like a demonstration of commitment. Cause like if something is free, I'm going to be like, okay, well I have it. I, I don't need to bother about it. But if I know that, I'm investing something into it. Like I have to sit down. I have to, uh, you know, make the decision. Okay, I'm going to sign up for this thing. You know, it's ridiculously low priced, but I'm still going to need to go through some hurdles to get it. Then I'm going to appreciate it more and actually commit. 100%. Well, I said, well, you know, there's a lot of people doing things for free and uh, I'm fine on that. But then there's a lot of what I call upsell. You know, mm-hmm. I think everybody's kind of used to it. It's like, come to my free event mm-hmm. so that I can sell you like another $100 value item in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I am 100% not going to be doing in a mm-hmm. way. You're going to do, do, do group coaching. It's a dollar. That's it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to charge you anything. There's nothing more I'm going to sell you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to upsell you. I'm not going to cross sell you. I'm not going to do anything else with you. In a way, does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. That's the way to, to you know, you want to build trust with your audience. And so, when is this starting? Like, how how can because I'm I'm interested in that. Like, in addition to our coaching sessions, I'd go to these, you know, just sit on the call, listen to what you have to say. It's kind of similar to what we had today, right? Very, very similar. Very, very similar. And the, the thing is, you having the one-on-one experience, you can ask me the questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I actually found is, in in a group session, a lot of the times. Um, people will ask a question and everybody will benefit from it in a mm-hmm. way. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like you you're not getting any value from it either. But initially, when I when I thought about doing this, I thought about doing it for free, and mm-hmm. then saying, okay, well, um, how am I actually make it work? But then I thought, you know, something I have to charge somebody that that how how what's the closest to to being free? And the closest mm-hmm. to being free is a dollar, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. You know, Excellent. and and uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that says, "Well, I'm the I'm the million dollar coach, I'm the trillion dollar coach, I'm the hundred million dollar coach." Well, I want to be known in this world as being the one dollar coach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the main reason for that is simply, I do this because I want to make impact. The reason why I started doing and started my journey and started actually doing what I do today is not to make money; is to make impact. Mm-hmm. And that is still what I want to do. Now it doesn't mean that I can't that I that I haven't had the opportunity to have a good living from it. Mm-hmm. And I do charge. I mean, if you want to come work one on one with me, this it's it's a higher charge ultimately mm-hmm. in a way. But at the moment, I truly believe this is one the one dollar group coaching is going to make so much impact and is going to be able to grow across the world. It's going to be just really amazing. You know, fantastic. And so. Where can people sign up for this? Uh, if they go to one dollar group coaching dot com, one dollar group coaching dot com. Okay, great. You'll see me there. I'll be the first <laughs> first one to sign up. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I, w- I would welcome that. And you know, the fun thing about it is, it's 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 something that I that I've never done before. It's not like a proven model. And there's not, not, I mean, most people you sign up for a dollar, they're going to, after, after like three months, they're going to charge you nine dollars mm-hmm. or ten dollars mm-hmm. or a hundred dollars or, you know, so everything is kind of like into this whole thing about stepping people into paying more and buying more. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to let people know I'm never going to charge you more. Mm. It's never going it to like- change. Is it like an you have to pay for a whole year? Is it a lock-in contract or something like that? No, no. Well, you, you, I'm going to give you a choice. Okay, you can pay one dollar, and some people go, well, I don't really want to do a dollar a week. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the option to pay like a year upfront. Okay. Yeah. But again, it's it's that options there just for you to choose for convenience. For convenience. Okay. Yeah, it's sure. more like an annual uh, renewal. And, uh, you know, I'm putting myself in a little bit of, of, of strife because I'm saying, well, I'm committing myself to do to do 50 weeks in a year, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. OK, but the thing is, uh, I looked at it and I thought, you know, at, at a dollar, it, the value that I can provide to people will always be at least 10 times the value of that dollar. Mm-hmm. In a way. Gotcha. Gotcha. OK, well, there we go. So whoever is interested, uh, com. check it out. Can't, can't wait for this to launch. When are you launching? Uh, we're going to be launching 1st of February. 1st oh. of February. Okay, so uh, this podcast will be live after you launch. Okay. So okay. Every, everybody can, you're going to get a, a, <laughs> a lot of data scientists <laughs> coming in. Well, uh, put it this way, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know how many people are going to come. Whether these one, whether these a million, whether these hundred, I don't really, really care. Yeah. Uh, as long as that it can impact people's lives, that's the main thing, ultimately. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, okay, well, Ivor, we're running out of time. I just wanted to say a huge thank you for coming on the show today. It's been 
a massive pleasure as always love talking to you like we catch up you know twice three times per month anyway but i i just wanted really wanted to share what you you know bring to this world with our audience and i hope uh, a lot of people got value out of this i hope so as well and uh, you know anybody um you know, have have any questions or, or anything else? Um, please feel free to to search me up online and, and shoot me a, a question. Um, yeah. You know, just um, just find me. I'm on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I uh, just well, just let, let let them know that actually you you listen to the podcast. So that yeah, that, yeah, would, yeah. that would, would be one of the prerequisites. That if you ask me a question, just say I heard you on Guerrilla or Super Data Science podcast, mm-hmm. and I have this question. Mm-hmm. And a one hundred percent, I'll respond to you. No problem. Fantastic. Well, so, uh, just to clarify, what are the best places to find you? Uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, and before we finish up today, one last question: What's a book that you recommend? I, I imagine like you read a ton of books all the time. What's a book that you would say will help people get the biggest impact? You know, uh, I think the, the one of the biggest books, and I actually I don't think I know. Mm. <laughs> that's the difference the the book that will help anybody in this world is think and grow rich mm-hmm. okay napoleon hill. napoleon hill now you go to most people you go to, to tony robbins you go to bob proctor you go to all the great influential influences in this world and you say to them what is the one book that has helped them most that has been thinking grow rich mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of chapters in the book that, that people might not understand. And I want people to know that it isn't a book, it isn't a novel, it isn't kind of like a philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's a case study. Mm-hmm. So when you read it, actually acknowledge it that actually the words that you're reading, it's not a story that you're reading, but it's actually a case study that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because when Napoleon Hill actually went off and actually uh, looked at, at, at how to become successful, he went off and interviewed over 26,000 people to find 500 people that were the best of the best at the time, mm-hmm. in a way. So what you have is, is, is a legitimate case study of all, almost somebody doing a PhD mm-hmm. and the research of so what has made these people to become successful and what has been the common thread that has helped them to become successful mm. in a way. And I like that at the start of the book, he actually takes some time to define that success is not just financial success or accomplishment achievements. He actually gives like 11 or something or, or 10 or 11 success, uh, cri- not criteria, like factors of success. Like including help and re- health and relationships and good spirit, good body, um, physical ability, and you know, or like uh, sports and things like that. And and financial success is like at the very end on his list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a lot. It's 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 a lot of people think about um, wealth and 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 riches as just being money. Mm. Um, I always look at money as being a, as being a it's it's kind of like the tool is the mm-hmm. enabler in a way mm-hmm. okay um but i don't want to defocus people as well because a lot of the times people think that actually money's not important but money's incredibly important especially in today's age ultimately 
Okay, and the main reason why I say this, Kirill, is because, you know, in the past, uh, you know, when our parents were even growing up, and, and even when my grandparents were alive, they could go to the backyard and, and kill a chook, kill a chicken. They must say to eat it. You know, they could grow their own vegetables in a way. Um, how many people actually can do that today? They can trade. Um, you know, they, I mean, you know, uh, I had a family that lived on a small holding and we'd go out there and they had no electricity. And we have fresh eggs from the chickens. And, you know, if, when we came around, they would actually kill a chicken and we'll eat the chicken that same night, ultimately, mm -hmm. in a way. So, but today's age where we live in this modern technology, in, in this technology world, you know, which we have supermarkets, having money is crucial for us to survive. And for us, it's, it's our way to trade, mm -hmm. in a way. So, mm -hmm. you know, I trade what I'm really good at. Somebody might be great at, um, at doing a website or, or doing analytics. That's their trade. Mm -hmm. but do not actually get past the fact that actually you need money in today's world. Yeah. Okay. Well, Think and Grow Rich will teach you all about the riches that whichever riches you need in your life will, will, will help you attract them to your life. Well, Very I, good book. and part of it is, is definitely part of it is, is definitely getting the money consciousness right as well in a way. Uh, when we get our money consciousness right, that's when we can also shift our world. But part of shifting everything is shifting our body, shifting our health, shifting our relationship, shifting our money. It's mm -hmm. all related. But a lot of the times, money seems to be uh, one of the things that we kind of like leave to the back burner. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that, uh, that I really want to bring forward as being something that we truly got to focus on as well. In a way, but let, I'll bring that through. Um, there's a great uh, lady that I know uh, by the name of Sharon Lecter. I don't even know Sharon Lecter at all. Uh, she's the co-author of a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, mm -hmm. uh, um, she co-authored that book with Robert Kiyosaki, mm -hmm. and uh, and she does a lot around financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's so powerful that people really understand how to be financially literate in this world as well. In a way. Very cool. Very good point. Okay, Ivor. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting in 2020. Lots of things to get done. Uh, there's so much to be done and I'm so excited. Uh, Kirill, thank you very much. I find it, it, it's a privilege for me to be on this and I hope your listeners have been able to get, uh, to get some, uh, some learnings from today. And uh, anything that they want, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. So there you have it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you loved the conversation. My personal favorite part uh, and where I like learned and felt that we went deep was when we were talking about taking responsibility for your life and how thoughts affect your feelings, affect you, which affect your actions, which affect the results you get. And if you keep thinking about the results, if they're negative, you're just going get, to get into a vicious cycle. So first step to get out of that, ignore the results you're getting. Think good thoughts. You can select the thoughts you're thinking. How cool is that? Love, I always love talking to Ivor. He's always very inspiring and helps provide the guidance I need in my life. And uh, yeah, so I am very pumped. I don't know how about you. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm very pumped about Ivor's podcast. So we'll definitely link it to the show notes if it's already available by the time uh, this episode is live. If it's not, we'll add it later. 
So check back up on that. And also I'm very pumped about his $1 a week coaching. I think it's uh, totally like a gift he's giving to the world. It's like ultimately he could be charging thousands times more for that. But I'm personally going to sign up for that. And uh, so as soon as the website is live, which should be start of February, I'm going to go there, sign up and attend those sessions. And I highly recommend doing that for you because, you know, you can always find an hour a week to listen to some wisdom from somebody who's done 15,000 hours of coaching or 15,000 coaching sessions, right? Yes, what he said, 15,000 coaching sessions. This is a person that knows what he's talking about and has something to share with the world. So I'm going to be on that list. Hope you will be too. And as usual, show notes are available at superdatascience.com slash 339. That's superdatascience.com slash 339. If you would like to connect with Ivor, which I also recommend doing, the links to his LinkedIn and Facebook are going to be available there. Don't forget, if you ask him a question, tell him that you heard about him on the Super Day Science podcast and then uh, you are guaranteed to get an answer. And on that note, thank you so much for being here. Make sure to forward this episode to anybody who is maybe struggling with a period in their life. Just send them superdatascience.com slash 339 and maybe they will be able to turn things around. Maybe you can actually impact and help help Ivor spread his impact. A billion people is quite a big goal, but I think uh, he'll get there eventually. So you can help him out that way and help somebody in maybe a tough period in their life. And on that note, once again, thanks for being here. I look forward to seeing you back here next time. And until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>